Have you ever wondered how do you grow a socially conscious and environmentally friendly e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah, me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers, there must be a better way, right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful, purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tanyono, and welcome to the E-Commerce Speak Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the E-Commerce Speak Podcast. I'm super excited. I have a special guest with me today. His name is John Bradman. John is the founder of Modo25, the business behind Bosco. It's a digital marketing intelligence platform to help make better and more intelligent marketing spend decisions with data-driven insights. So he is trying to change the way people invest in online marketing forever. Think of it like the way that Skyscanner changed the way that people research and book uh, your flights. So I'm always excited when it comes to talking about marketing and maximizing and optimizing marketing. So welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you very much for having me, Vincent. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm very curious. Can you share a little bit about your story of how do you get into this SaaS business, especially like in the marketing space? Uh, so, um, well, well uh, I'll try and be short. I'll give you a short version rather than taking it the full time. So my background is I originally started in um, software selling post like database software over 20 years ago, uh, where we would help people look up a postcode and find an address. And we'd help with marketing companies with delivering catalogs. And so this is almost like when the internet was very early. And I saw the huge opportunity and potential value you can deliver with quality software and also how potentially attractive a software business is and how quickly you can scale it and how when you make good money with a a software business, you can also do interesting things either for charity or for your team. So I always had in the back of my mind, I wanted to build a software business that was on a sort of recurring revenue basis. So I was at that business I worked for. I ended up being head of sales. They sold that business to a company called Experian. And that was a really interesting journey. And then I went from that into email marketing and then into SEO and PPC. And I've recently, more recently scaled and exited a couple of um, agencies type businesses. But the last agency, we were, we had a lot of in-house technology. And what we would do, Vincent, is we were, when we sold the agency, we were, uh, extracting the technology that we had built to just to use on our client's behalf to then actually make fit for purpose and sell to people as a software business. And I very much realized the potential of scale that you can achieve uh, by doing a, a SaaS business when you've got a good product and you know what you're doing. And one of the products we had in my last business was we would help people work out where to spend their money on Google Shopping specifically. Um, and it was very, super clever, really clever stuff. But my sort of, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, that just helps Google make more money, okay? 
that might help the retailer who's spending money on Google also make more money, but isn't a better question, which channel should I be spending my money on? Uh, or which campaign in which channel is going to perform better? So I um, set up Modo25 two years ago with some investment from a friend of mine who was was actually the founder of Skyscanner. Uh, and we're using both his money and his um, his brains as well uh, to help us build uh, the technology. We're now a team of uh, 35 people based in the UK, Australia, the US, Canada, and Prague. So we're a, a globally distributed team. And we are working already with 40 plus retail clients of all shapes and sizes, uh, helping them work out which channel they should invest their money in. Uh, so hopefully, People can ask better questions through the insights we give them to either do it in-house or work better with their agencies. So, yeah, so, we, so we, we help agencies and we help brands. And it all sort of came from that, how can we help people make better decisions, right? Because I, I think there's a, a problem in some boardrooms where nobody wants to be that guy who goes, is it okay to be spending $100,000 a month with Google? Because it's sort of working and nobody wants to be the person who questions it. So we want to almost open up that Pandora's box and go, well, here's the information. Because I don't think everybody's got visibility of the information uh, at a senior level. So, so that's what we set out to achieve. Uh, we're we're on, on with that. We're going to be launching in America in 2022 in in january so yeah that's that's who we are that's what we're doing um so it's, it's exciting times at the moment yeah actually that's one of the things that i was very fascinated about when i saw model 25 is the way that you can do like predictive marketing so can you give like an overview to explain to for marketers and uh, the founders here how can they predict their marketing performance well, that's a, a, a top secret. I can't possibly share that. Uh, no, so I, I, I think the first thing to do is, uh, if we talk to take a step back, the first thing to do is make sure we're tracking everything. So you can't predict the future if we can't track things. So, um, and we then, so the first thing to do is make sure that all the analytics and tagging and tracking on your own website uh, is set up and correct and, and working. So, whether that be Google Analytics or Google AdWords or Google Shopping or Facebook, which is now a little bit harder on iOS um, or your affiliates. But basically, first thing to do is check all the tracking is working and we agree with the numbers. Secondly, then it's about getting all that data into the same place, right? And that's actually quite hard. It's a lot harder than people think, right? So we take feeds from your GA, from your AdWords, from Google Search Console, because we also want to understand where SEO fits in all this. Uh, so we take all these different feeds from all your different channels and we put them into a big Google Cloud and we will then dedupe them and organize it. We could even take a, a feed from the actual e-commerce platform. So then we can go and right, okay, we've got all your data in one place and then we can see, right, okay, all these different interactions and touch points happened. That was the transaction value. That was 
the, the different conversion points within that. And then we can start reporting back on that and actually then using our algorithm to go based on what your goals are. So what are you trying to do as a business? So are you trying to increase the number of new customers or are you trying to get maximum traffic to your website of any type or are you trying to get maximum number of sales uh, units or are you trying to get maximum revenue so if you need to give our machine some targets you need to give it an average order value and also a category so what's important about this is if we understand which category you're in we can then go to multiple third-party data sources and see what is the competition in that category. So who, who's the biggest visibility on SEO? Who's, got, who's spending the most money on paid marketing? Who's got the biggest presence in marketplaces? And we can then take all that data. We can then also, because we, our background is agency, so we're actually a Google partner, a Bing partner, an Amazon partner, Facebook partner. And so we can then also go to all the platform APIs and pull in the demand data. So what that means is we've now got three pools of data. So we've got your data, we've got the market data from the third party, and then we've got the demand data over here of what is actually the, the, what the customers are looking for and what they want in which channel. So then what we can do is run our algorithm, which is the sort of clever bit, um, to go, right, based on all of this, what should we do next? Um, and that's what we do. What we don't do, I suppose, Vincent, is then do it. What we do is we, we provide the intelligent insight to say, right, our marketing intelligence platform, I suppose the, the easiest way to describe it, I, was, I don't know if this helps, but it's a bit like a sat-nav. So it's like there might be a roadblock ahead. This is now going to tell you a better route to get to where you want to, right? So there's there's no more... Facebook's getting too expensive or you can't measure it properly or your Google cost per click is getting too expensive or there's no more growth within the parameters that you have set. So what we're doing is, is giving people the sat-nav to show them a route to achieve their objective. It is then from there they can download which campaign they need to look at. It will give them some sort of projected spends and projected revenues or outcomes from that so it'll give you all the metrics we we are forecasting but somebody would still need to go and press the button in the platform to do it so we work a lot with agencies and we also work a lot with direct with retailers and brands who sell things online so our but our job it, it's not ever going to just automate and spend all your money it it, it it gives you i suppose it's like an insight engine or a notification platform so it might pop up and say you get a message in your notification section say there's there's some opportunity in this campaign in facebook right or your tracking links broken it could be really boring notifications as well but ones that are really important because actually if your tracking links broken our algorithm can't do the magic but also you won't be able to measure your sales so actually we need we need to take and the reason our clients seem to like this is they have got one place to look for potentially up to five, six, seven platforms, rather than having to log into multiple different dashboards or multiple different things. So the senior people can get a view of the whole business uh, in a very simple and easy to understand format. So like in a read-only format. And that's the other thing I suppose, Vincent, is people, the practitioners, so the actual marketing practitioners or the agency 
don't feel comfortable giving senior people the access to ch make changes, right? So they don't want people to break things, right? They don't want they don't, you don't want the CEO or the um, managing director or the VP of marketing going in and changing things in Google Analytics because it could break it all. But at the same time, they want some reports. So then you have to extract something and you've got to have a, an analyst produce a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint. What this does is this saves you time and hopefully gives you insight to make better decisions to make more money. So uh, we, we almost, going back to your travel analogy, actually, Vincent, we see our sort of view in the market of the future of almost being like the trip advisor of digital marketing data. Okay, so can you trust this data, right? So, and, and almost to the point in the future where a brand would expect an agency to be using the Bosco platform, and an agency would hopefully win business from brands because they are using the Bosco platform. So it becomes this almost trust mark within uh, digital marketing data and reporting. Now I get, I get the, the uh, TripAdvisor Skyscanner analogy now because it's more like getting, getting the data uh, sources from different, different places, just like... Yeah, and it's, it's, it's about, I suppose unlocking all the data, putting it all into one place, but then making it easy to interpret and visualize. Um, and the thing is, it's changing all the time and every day. So this has only really been possible with the increase in processing power of the, of the computers in the cloud. Right Before, this would have required lots of clever people and lots of computing power, and you would have probably done it as a snapshot in time. Whereas now we can update these daily, weekly, however often you want. So, um, but yeah, so, and, and it's going to keep evolving. And I think that's the thing is as new platforms come along, the only thing we can be confident about is marketing's going to just keep getting harder. It's not going to stand still, right? You're going to have new channels, new things to track. But I think the other thing that will definitely be a constant as well is that consumers will still want to buy things. And brands will still want to sell things. And the internet is still going to be the channel, a, a preferred choice of channel to do that. So as long as there's consumers wanting to buy things on the internet and brands and retailers wanted to sell things, they need to be able to track and measure and optimize. And that's really where this fits in. Yeah, coming to talk about, talking about uh, tracking, like another thing that I've also heard you mention is that the last click doesn't win. What, what does that mean? So I, I, I think um, we, as a, well, I could talk about this a lot. Uh, I think as, a, as an industry, we've all got overly obsessed with the performance element of marketing. So we're all trying to fight over that. If you imagine, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with the marketing funnel. So we've got some sort of awareness at the top and then right down at the bottom, we've got that sort of conversion, really hyper conversion focused term or whatever search term, if it was say search marketing. But I think what, because we could pay a dollar and get a sale for $10 and that's been working, we're all trying to just keep repeating that. And I genuinely think over, and that's now becoming more and more competitive and what happens and what is going to happen in the, in the future is the cost per clicks are just going to get more and more, right? So actually, it may not be sustainable. Or in some markets, it's probably not already sustainable. So if you were selling, I don't know, um, trainers, 
right? If you're selling expensive trainers online, you probably can't make bidding on some of the generic men's trainer keywords convert or work because they're just not specific enough. Whereas actually it might be men's Nike Air Jordan size nine might work, right? Um, because it's longer tail. So what I think we need to understand is what is the total journey of the online user? What are they doing? So did they see a banner ad and that actually clicked on that? Did they then come onto my website, sign up for an email newsletter? Right, so they clicked the banner ad, sign up on the website. Now we've sent them an email. They came back to the website and they read the read the blog, watched the video, went off onto YouTube, this, that, and the other. So that's another event. And actually then we retargeted them because we now – and then we, they went back with a retargeting message. They put something in their basket. They then had a basket, but they didn't convert. So we then have a basket abandonment email that goes out with some clever software. Ah, you didn't buy your trainers. Buy your trainers now. We'll give you free delivery. And then actually you forget about it, but you then search men's trainers. But because they've got a really targeted retargeting search campaign set up that they know that I'm a returner, so they happen to bid on that expensive keyword now, I see an ad, I click, and I buy those trainers. And I suppose the point is, at which point in that whole process of what I was doing, um, what is the most valuable bit? So if I'd never seen that retargeting ad, or if I'd never seen that original banner ad, would I have bought the trainers? All right? So it's all connected. It's all connected. And the trouble, I think, Vincent, with all this is it's really hard. Right? And it's also, it's not, it's not the same for every transaction. It's not the same for every product. It's not the same for every customer. So the default and the easiest thing for most people to do is go last click wins. Or sometimes people might go last non-direct click wins uh, or last non-direct brand or whatever. Um, and then what happens then is you just focus even more on the performance end of the funnel because that's where you're giving all the attribution. And you then may never spend anything on the branding end of the funnel. So actually, there could be an argument to say, we are gonna move the budgets around and look at all those clicks and re-attribute the success. So we, when we, what, what having a platform like Bosco would enable people to do is by having all your data in one place and all your transaction history, you could actually start looking at what is the best fit attribution model for your business however the challenge is it's the, the answer is i suppose it's the all attribution models are probably wrong right and i think once you get your head around that it's like well we're going to do something and it's not going to be right right it's because it, unless you sell to the same person the same product on the same media every day and you've got one customer one product it's not going to be right okay because there's too many going on but what we're trying to look for and this is where everybody's got to accept is is the best fit or the one that is least wrong okay so the what's the best fit and then if we apply that model to all our marketing spend and all our marketing sales and performance how would we then view the channels and then that gives us some indication of where we should invest for the future. So, and companies that get this 
uh, and get into a, an attribution model, they managed to really open up and unlock budgets they didn't realize or channels budgets they didn't realize they had and uh, that were performing. And that enables them to scale really fast. So I think people need to look at this. I, you could say an attribution model is last click which it is, but I would say having some form of multi-touch attribution model, if people are taking more than three steps and your product's worth X over, I don't know, $20, $30, or you're selling lots of them, you've got enough data, you should investigate this. But because it's hard, Vince, and people sort of shy away from it and go, well, it's sort of working. Digital marketing's working. I've got bigger problems in my life. So we're just going to keep giving Google all the money. Um, so, so that's what we often say when last click doesn't win. And I, and I think um, it's, it's about understanding which click and which model works for your business. Because, again, Google's got, I think, six standard models. But I would suggest you probably maybe need to look at maybe 13 models. There's lots of different models, but you can only do that if you get all your data into one place. And that's the bit which people struggle with. Uh, and then they sort of give up and go, right, We'll just go back and do this one. Um, so, and again, it's difficult sometimes to even, Google Analytics might give you a view of what's going on in there, but that might not take into account a lot of your other channels. So what about what's happening in Amazon, what's happening in all the other different marketplaces or in affiliates or in all these different places. Um, so that's what we mean by last click doesn't always win. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about this. Like you've been in the marketing um, space for 20 plus years and there has been like a lot of new things, a lot of changes. What what trends do you see um, in, in, in the yeah, future? Yeah, that's a good question. We were talking about this on a different podcast the other day. Well, was actually, I think it was a live I was doing with, a, with um, somebody in um, Canada, British Columbia. And there's two things I was saying. And one thing I think everybody could do today really quickly and easily to improve is focus on quality copywriting messaging and content right i think because we've got so into automation and arguably i've got a team of data scientists and mathematicians so i probably shouldn't say this but the the maths guys have taken over marketing and uh, actually we've lost or seem to have lost the ability to write good copy and actually, part of what you see now is you need to interrupt still. We might be targeting the right people on the right device at the right time, but we still need to interrupt that and get their attention. So we need good content and good copy. And I think um, a trend that will come out, I think the years ago when I was first starting marketing, copywriters were like the kings of the agency. Right? They'd write the big headlines or they'd write the big billboards or the big ads. And now... It seems to be a lost art. The data scientists are the kings now and the copywriters. So we need to change the balance there uh, or readdress that balance. And then I think the other thing is, which people, it's a huge opportunity, is the whole metaverse of advertising in the environment. So I don't know, will I be able to monetize the virtual background behind you in your Zoom call? Right. So now, could we sell advertising space in our Zoom calls? I don't know. 
Uh, and actually, I could make an incremental revenue as an affiliate from that. Um, I probably don't have enough Zoom calls with enough interesting people to make much money. But joking aside, I don't know if you cycle or if you're familiar with a platform called Zwift. Zwift is a cycling platform where you cycle on a turbo trainer or a real bike linked to a virtual trainer. But you're in a virtual world, but you can see your friends and they're, you're all moving in real time and you can, you can chat to them on text or we actually chat through, say, something like Discord. And you can uh, monetize the media within those worlds, right? So there's billboards and there's adverts, right? So if I'm a brand... How do, and this, this morning I went on Zwift and there was 4,000 people cycling around. So there's 4,000 eyeballs from all over the world that you know everything about because they're all logged in. Right? So you don't need to worry about cookies. You know everything about them. And it's like, so there's one thing, how do we target them and, how do we, and, and what can we do? And the, there's an opportunity there. But then I think the bigger opportunity is how do you put that into some sort of exchange to enable it to become easily accessible by the brand. So if I'm a brand and I want to buy some advertising in Zwift, you don't want to have to phone up Zwift and go, you just want to press a button in some sort of platform and go, yeah, I also want to stick my ad into Zwift in these formats. So you've got to make it easy. So, And that's going to then become and go on to things like Fortnite or all these other places or the FIFA football games or the racing games. And there's going to be a huge opportunity within all of that, uh, I believe. And it's already happening some brands are doing it. Um, and um, yeah, so I think that's a trend. But fundamentally, the most important thing people could do tomorrow is improve their copywriting skills and the quality of their content. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting that you mentioned about all the different uh, places to advertise on banner ads, even like virtual reality as well. I think that's, that's really um, interesting space that is going to be uh, developing. And I also love your other suggestion about the um, copywriters, I, I think a, a good copywriter combined with a good data scientist, like placing it at the right place, I think that would be like a, a killer combination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, John, there was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. So if people want to uh, learn more about uh, Moto25, they're interested in the, or they want to check it out or they want to learn more or they want to follow your work, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? So our, our sort of the, the agency side of the business is modo25.com or if they want to have a play with our um, Bosco platform and see where they stack up compared to their competitors or, or get an insight into predicting the future, you could look at askbosco.io, that's A-S-K-B-O-S-C-O.io or I'm John Redman, uh, J-O-H-N-R-E-A-D-M-A-N on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect or just if you want to email john at modo25.com. Yep, excellent. I will leave uh, those links uh, as well in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Um, John, before we wrap this up, do you have any final takeaways that you'd like to share or anything that you'd like to share that maybe I didn't ask? Uh, I, I suppose my, my only big takeaway and something I'm hugely passionate about is um, ensuring when you're running your business, it's all about people. Right? Business is all about people. And what purpose does your business have that means people will want to come and work with you rather than just making you personally more money? 
So we, we named our business after an orphan in Uganda and our software after the gentleman who runs the orphanage. And the purpose of our business is to hopefully transform lives of people in Africa, as well as the digital marketing performance of our clients and the lives of our team who are working on those. But I think as people have more choice of where they go to work and clients have more choice over what technology they buy, why and what is it about your business, apart from you want to make the shareholders more money, what else do you stand for? So I think as we all learn more about life and business, I think you need to think about, well, what do we really stand for? So I'm, I get hugely passionate about things like that. Thank you so much, John, for all the sharing. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Excellent, Vincent. Thank you very much for having me.